Our prayer as we wrap up our season of Pentecost and recognize you as our King. We ask that you would illumine our hearts right now and our minds to the reality of your reign or not in our lives. And I ask, Lord, that you would do a great work in each and every one of us as we ponder you, Lord Jesus Christ, our King. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. In the Shawshank Redemption, Andy Dufresne, the protagonist, is innocently thrown in jail. He didn't murder his wife. He, got, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he got charged with this murder, and he's sentenced to life in prison. He discovers that everybody who's in life in prison is innocent. So his claim is not credible to anybody. He's a banker, and he's got accounting skills. So he becomes the warden's bookkeeper, discovering that the warden's been quite shady with the books, embezzling quite a bit of money. When all of a sudden, Andy discovers some evidence that would ultimately free him. So he begins to appeal to the warden that this prisoner is the one who did the murder to which I'm in here for. And after multiple times for the warden to listen, he's quite frustrated. He says, how can you be so obtuse? The warden says, what did you call me? It didn't go well for Andy. And I encourage you to read the book or watch the movie to find out the end of the story. It's won an Academy Award. It's hard to watch. But I wonder if you were to go talk to your next door neighbor, talk to the person who's in the next cubicle next to you, talk to the person you play golf with or play with or cards with, poker, buddy, sit at the pub next to, I would put a hundred bucks on the table that there are some who feel that way about God as Andy felt about the warden. To be obtuse is to be annoyingly insensitive to my plight. For who hasn't heard at one time or another, if you're God, you would do something about this situation. If you were God, I tried to be a Christian, it just doesn't work because you didn't work for me. You know, living in your way, Jesus, isn't the way I'm going to do it because it doesn't work. Well, my friends, as we wrap up this season and go into Thanksgiving week, we're going to learn some new lessons from Jesus on the cross that I think are really going to help us as we wrap up the season and go into Advent. I encourage you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. If you're a guest, you'll notice this in the back of your bulletin because we see two reactions to our king. We see the world's reaction and we see the follower's reaction. Let's look at that. It's the world's reaction to the kingdom of God 
and the followers' reaction, the disciples' reaction to the kingdom of God. First, the world. Verse 35, and the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Well, you do realize this makes some sense with where they're coming from, right? I mean, after all, for three years, Jesus, you've been calling yourself Messiah. You're the king. You identified with God. This is the capital city. There's no time like the Passover. Come on down. Show yourself. Seems like a reasonable request, doesn't it? But notice, Jesus doesn't answer him. Look at verse 40 and 41. He does not answer them. They don't understand a Savior who comes in weakness. They don't understand what he's like and they don't understand that they are the ones under sentence here they don't see any need for anyone to die for them they want us they don't want a savior they want a general they don't want a savior they want a good model to follow an example they don't need someone to go the way of weakness they need someone to go in strength Self-confidence, living a good moral life. But it's the unrepentant thief who is the most interesting in all the world's statements to Jesus about his kingdom. He says, if you're the Christ, the Messianic king, here is how I'll know. Save yourself and us. We've all prayed that. Right? Our favorite Christmas movie. Wonderful Life. Oh, Lord. If you're up there, send $5,000. George Bailey? Huh? Right? We've all prayed that at some time or another. God, if you're out there, and here's how I'll know you're there, get me out of this situation. And perhaps there's some of you here that are all, not all in with a walk with Jesus because you've prayed that prayer and God didn't answer it the way you wanted him to. Because you know what? Jesus never answers that prayer. Notice in verse 39 when he prays the prayer, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. He doesn't answer them. Verse 35 are his only words in this passage right here. We didn't read that. Verse 34. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Well, that's strange. Here's why he doesn't answer the prayer. They don't see the only hope that they have is for him to stay right there on the cross for them. The problem with this prayer that is saying, when you pray that prayer, Lord, save yourself enough and us. What you're saying is my life will go the way that I need it to go if you answer it my way. That's not good theology, friends. 
There's a problem with the premise. First, it's saying, I know how my life should go. You know Garth Brooks.